0: Hey friends and welcome back to the equestrian podcast. I'm your host Bethany Lee and this is episode 317. Our guest today is a young professional who started Vintage Farm Sales which is a training and sales program in 2020. It's operated out of Pennsylvania and Wellington, Florida. It really focuses on developing young jumpers into top Grand Prix competitors and provides training services for clients both at home and at shows. Our guest comes from an equestrian family with parents who competed at the top of the sport and as a rider today he has had a lot of success in the u25 and in the grand prix so without further ado please welcome our guest today alex mats hey alex hey how are you good how are you doing good thank you so much for coming on um i'm excited to hear a little bit more about your story but tell me first how you first found yourself in the horse world
1: well i was born into a horse family uh, we lived on a farm in Coastville, Pennsylvania. My father did show jumping competitively, and my mother also competed at a very high level. So we always had ponies around. You know, I was probably on a pony before I was on a bike. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's always been around um, and fortunately available to me. And so, you know, I, I just sort of progressed. I would say probably slower than most juniors. I was more interested in traditional sports like soccer and football, uh, but unfortunately I wasn't big enough or strong enough for, for most of them. Uh, So I did that through middle school. And then I went to a boarding school in Virginia uh, where I also did a bunch of sports and I would ride like once or twice a month. Um, And then I'd come down to WEF probably like, two or three weekends, um, a month. So I, I rode more then, and, and then during the summer I rode, but otherwise I had a pretty normal upbringing. And then, uh, I went to school in Nashville, Tennessee. And again, I, you know, I rode sort of sparingly in the fall and spring summers. I rode a little bit more and after I graduated, I decided to give it a shot. Um, I thought I could always, you know, go back to the corporate world. Thankfully, my mom pushed me to get a good degree and I had something to fall back on. Yeah. But I thought I could always give this a shot and go back to the corporate world. But I didn't think that I could do the opposite and go to the corporate world and then come try and do this later in life. So Wow. that's sort of my story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, obviously you grew up with access to horses you know, from the beginning, your whole life and spend a lot of time living on the same property as your horses. How do you feel like that impacted your experience as a horseman? And what was the dynamic? Um, Cause I feel like it kind of, it, I feel like it usually goes one of two ways, right? Like growing up with a horse family, you either like become all in, or you kind of like want nothing to do with it. So what was it, what was it kind of like for you and how do you feel like it impacted your experience?
1: Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I have a younger brother that, knows how to ride, but wants nothing to do with the show world yeah. to be involved in cattle. And um, for me, I I was super fortunate that my parents are both, both very good horsemen. And so I think I was able to pick up on um, a lot of things naturally, you know, I, I didn't have to seek out proper horse treatments or at least the, the traditional ones um and uh so in that way I was I was very lucky um I wasn't like obsessed with horses though until I would say my sophomore junior year of college is when I really decided that I wanted to give this a shot which is interesting you see a lot of kids I think that are sort of all in as juniors and then they they burn out and whether that's just because their interests change or because their parents want it more than they do. I don't know, but I was, I was fortunate to sort of be allowed by my parents to follow my own path and, and they supported um, whatever I, I wanted to do. So.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And it might've, that route probably saved you from some, some early adult burnout that yeah, like we were saying, a lot of young professionals experience. Yeah, you spent some time working for um, BZ and John Madden. What was something that you learned from them that you feel like you know significantly impacted your career?
1: Um, well, just watching BZ every day is is amazing. Uh, she, she has an amazing work ethic. You know, the the horse care and the program at the Maddens is really top-notch they have it down to a science i mean they have specific you know water buckets and they're all cleaned a specific way so that everything is as clean um, and nice for the horses as possible so i think i think the program um was something that i could take away and i think bz's and john's consistency day in and day out Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that you know they preach good riding will have the the greatest effect on on the horse. I think constantly the sport is evolving and people are trying to come up with new and innovative ways to improve themselves and their horses and being a John and Beezys and, and realizing that really what makes the great great is that they are consistent. They have a good program. It's simple and, you know, they're never trying to take shortcuts for a fast result. And so that's, I think that was my main takeaway from working there.
0: Definitely. And then you started your own business in 2020. What prompted you to start up something like this on your own?
1: At the time, the horses that I were riding for John and Beasy, you know, a couple got sold and I had a couple young horses at home And so it made more sense for me uh, and my riding to, to try to focus on those young horses and see what sort of opportunities might present themselves at home. So it was really just, you know, a matter of circumstance. It's something that I always wanted to do. And I had no idea whether it would work or not. I got lucky. I had a lot of people that allowed me to, you know, ride their horses and give me a chance. We're around a lot of eventers in Coatesville, Pennsylvania, and so you know, Boyd Martin let me ride a few horses. Jenny Branigan also did, and and I actually got to take some of those horses that were maybe better suited as show jumpers to try to sell. It, it was it was nothing more than just the fact that I had you know more opportunity at home. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like I had I'd learned to a significant amount from John is easy and uh, it's ready to give it a shot.
0: Yeah. What was the experience like of building your own business? I'm obviously it's like, you never fully know. And, you know, obviously like what you were saying, know what it's going to be like and and what you kind of face until you're actually in it. So what would you say are some unexpected challenges that you faced when you were first starting to build your own business?
1: Well, to be honest, I've kind of stopped planning because nothing ever goes the way I go. Um,
0: (laughs) That's a mature realization, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, you never know where the next horse is going to come from or who you're going to run into that's going to give you an opportunity. Uh, For me, I did a lot of sales horses because that's what was available to me. Um, And then I met the McNeil family, and they have – you know, really been a game changer for my career. They've allowed me to get into bigger shows and jump bigger classes and um, have supported me with some better horses. Um, and then you know from that, I, I've had other opportunities with other lovely sponsors, and I train a little bit, um and that's been great. but yeah, it's it's definitely challenging and it's not a linear path. And I would say don't don't expect everything to go to plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Your business yeah. focuses on developing and selling jumpers. What what do you feel like, in your opinion, makes a good and competitive jumper? How do you train them and kind of develop a program to bring out the best of their abilities?
1: Uh, well, I think the best jumpers um, have a great mind and, and have a great heart and uh, are competitive naturally obviously you want a horse that's that's fast and careful and scopy, but i think in, in training all you can really do is um try your best to to have the horse as fit as possible mm-hmm. and to have the horse fight for you you know to, to form a bond with that horse to understand how it likes to be ridden and, and what sort of things it it benefits from um in a program and um Get the horse to to fight with you and want it as badly as you do you know and, and some horses that's a lot uh, more natural than others mm-hmm. but yeah i think each horse is an individual and and that's what separates the the great riders from the good riders
0: definitely let's take a minute and talk a little bit about tack cleaning because it's not just about having clean tack right it's also about the health and well-being of your horse that comes in contact with your tack and having beautiful, healthy tack that really lasts for a lifetime because our tack is always quite an investment. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Sterling Essentials because it's one of my favorite tack cleaning products. It's premium all-natural essential oil, powered leather cleaner and leather conditioner. And what I really love about it is that there are zero toxins or harsh chemicals, um, counterproductive ingredients. um, So it's just like a really really great purely vegetarian product Um, beeswax food grade ingredients plant-based oils and premium essential oils so not only does it smell amazing but you can really enjoy the feel of really clean leather without all the sticky leftover cleaning product residue soap scum white film glycerin or the slipperiness or oiliness that's often caused by other cleaners and conditioners so for more information visit their website at sterling-essentials.com that's s-t-e-r-l-i-n-g essentials.com and i also have a promo code if you want to give it a try so use the discount code Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, for 30% off. This does not include bundles and terms apply. So you can see their policies on their website for more information. But I think it's a great opportunity to give some of their products a try. So again, that is SterlingEssentials.com. Speaking of, you have said in previous interviews that you are a very competitive person. How do you feel like that competitiveness has been an advantage for your program and your riding career? And maybe what are some instances where they have, where the competitiveness has been a
1: disadvantage? I I think that probably everybody uh, that is trying to compete at the top level is very competitive. You know, I I think you have to be a competitive person really to to show against these men and women every day. It's probably hurt me and, and others at times when you don't do what's right for the horse maybe you you jump a class that you shouldn't because you know you want a good result sure. uh, but the horse needs a few more classes at a lower level I've definitely done that I think most competitive um, riders have done that as far as it being an advantage it's it's what motivates me mm-hmm, every day yeah that's necessary. If, if you're not competitive, then I don't think you're going to get very far.
0: Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely that drive that keeps you going. Cause it's not, it's not uh, rainbows and butterflies. I mean, it's, it's a pro it's like a, a discipline and a career path that requires so much consistency and dedication. And there are days that you maybe don't want to go to the barn and ride or, you know, do the, the business end of, you know, keeping your program going. So continuing to have that, that drive and that competitiveness to be the best version of yourself and have your horses be the best version of themselves, I think is a huge driving force for
1: top riders. Definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like any job, <laughs> there are days that you don't want to show up, Yeah, that separates you know, the, the top riders from like, you have to try to get a little bit better every day. McLean's on an amazing streak right now, mm-hmm. but even he loses more than he wins. Right. And so you have to know how to, how to take that and, and how to look at those failures or misses and turn them into something positive, um, mm-hmm. learn from it, move on from it. That mental side is as important as, um, what you what you physically do every day.
0: Absolutely. Well, you've had a successful start to your 2023 season. Um, What do you feel like are some some highlights? And what are some things that you're looking forward to for the rest of this year?
1: Well, I think Cashew winning the a couple weeks ago, was a good day. He's the ultimate competitor. I'm lucky to have him. I'm really I'm happy with how all my horses are jumping. I think I have a good string. I think I have some good young horses. I've I've been happy with the season so far. Definitely um, things I can improve and uh, still have a, a long way to go. But I think for the most part, um, Waf has treated me well so far. Like I said, I, I don't exactly know what the rest of the year will hold for me. Um, but I hope that, you know, I can have a good week this week and um, maybe some, some opportunities will present themselves later on in the year.
0: Definitely. Um, Where do you like to go after, after WEF is done?
1: When WEF is finished, I'll stay here and do the two spring shows on the grass. And then I'll go to Kentucky for uh, Kentucky Invitational. Then I'll go to Old Salem for two weeks, Devon, Upperville, and then I, I'm not sure after that um, nice. so we're a pretty, pretty packed spring. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Amazing. What would you say is an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian industry either just doesn't know a lot about, or doesn't talk that much about.
1: I think the mental side of, mm-hmm. of riding is really important. And um, I, I think being open with you know fellow competitors about when you're struggling is important to create that dialogue you know and then and then the other thing i think is is talking about horsemanship and uh you know sometimes i feel like the horse show world is very clicky and nobody wants to give away you know our secrets or Mm -hmm. whatever it's it's taboo to talk about somebody who you know is struggling with confidence because you you know you have to put on a brave face all the time right uh, but i think having a more open dialogue about that stuff will ultimately uh create stronger riders and and will be better for you know the u.s equestrian team that's something that uh yeah i think is important and many times sort of undervalued
0: mm-hmm. definitely yeah i think that that's a huge part of of riding and competing when you feel like your mental game is struggling what are some things that you do to try to kind of refocus and center yourself like towards um you know taking maybe that that extra pressure or stress or nerves and put it towards um you know the class and and doing it in you know kind of spinning that in a positive way to perform better
1: yeah, I think I'm lucky that I have a good group of friends that I can be um genuine with, yeah, frankly honest with about about that sort of stuff. Um, I also, you know, if I can objectively pick apart what's going wrong for me um and put in place a way to correct that and move forward, that settles me down more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even so I know I'm riding poorly um, and I watch the videos and and uh, I'm upset, but I know, okay, I'm not, I don't have the horse forward enough, you know, um, or my, I'm a little bit ahead of the horse at the jump. Um, if I can give myself something to concretely focus on, that that helps me. And then also just knowing that every rider goes goes through times that are hard. Totally. Uh, um, as long as you keep going, you know, uh, you'll get out of it. Those, those tough moments, they always end, even if they seem to endure forever, but they, they mm-hmm. always end So you just can't give up.
0: Yeah. And I always say that's like such a one, like one of the best parts of our sport is that you can be a part of it for decades. It's not like football or soccer where there's this tiny window that you have to be at your peak and then you've missed it. Um, we see, you know, so many top riders are, You know, decades older than us. So it's, it's that, I, that should also be a comfort too that, um, they'll will, there will be an end of the valley that you might be in and be, and there's, there's still time. There's always time.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at Laura Kraut, she's, yeah, seven, I think. And she's had maybe the best left season of anyone. Right. And the good thing is that if you really love the industry and show jumping, I, I sort of look at things um, from a long time frame, I, you know, so what can I do today? Um, so to put myself in a better position in five years and 10 years. Um, and I think if you are active, but patient, then, you know, you'll put yourself in the right position that, you know, you, you will be successful and you can do whatever you believe, believe in whatever you want to want to do.
0: So true. Well, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share your story. I think it's so exciting where you're at now with your career and we um, will be exciting to continue to watch the rest of your year, but I wish you all the best.
1: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad uh, that you asked me to be on the show and it was lovely to speak to you and uh, we'll keep in touch.